Hey, it's me, Annie, with more Thanksgiving fun. I was just thinking earlier today about what it was like to be a kid and wake up on Thanksgiving morning. And I remembered that the most important thing about Thanksgiving to me was the stuffing. As soon as I smelled the tiniest bit that the stuffing was being made, that was when I jumped out of bed. That was when I went downstairs to see what was up. My own stuffing is a little bit different than what I grew up with, but it has a lot of things in it that I really love. And my own stuffing is built on wild rice. Now, wild rice is not actually rice. Wild rice is actually a grass. It grows in the water. And it's harvested into uh, boats that go through the areas where it's growing. And the tall strands of the wild rice grass grow up out of the water, and people beat the rice into the boats from the top of those strands. I like to think of that when I'm shopping for my wild rice. I want wild rice that's very long. I don't like broken up wild rice. I don't like wild rice that's shorter. I like the long, very, very dark wild rice. To me, that's always going to taste the best. And to me, that's more of what I see in my mind when I imagine people in boats beating the top of those strands of rice and getting those long, beautiful pieces to fall into the boats. So that's what I look for, and I look for it every year, and every year somebody else has it. Now, just today I went to my local health food store here in Brooklyn, back to the land, and I looked for it and I didn't see it. So now the quest is on. For a couple of years in a row, they had the best. Not this year. So tomorrow I will look in other stores, and I will keep on looking until I find my perfect wild rice. Dark, shiny, long greens of wild rice. Once I find it, I know that the stuffing is going to be perfect because that's really the basis of how I build my stuffing. And when I say build, I'm talking about how stuffing is created from the bottom up. The bottom being cooking the wild rice itself. What I do is I wash it really, really well. I wash it several times in running water. And then I do something called toasting. Now to toast it, I use a Le Creuset pot. I want to talk about Le Creuset pots for a moment. Those are my favorite pots. I use them for everything. And I have one Le Creuset pot, an orange one, that I only use for grains. So either I use it for wild rice or I use it for plain rice or I use it for kasha or I use it for whatever grain I'm cooking. I love using it for millet. So I will use the Le Creuset pot. And after the wild rice is washed and dried off. I'll put a small amount of a neutral oil like canola or sunflower or safflower in the bottom of the pot. And then I'll add the wild rice. And the wild rice will be toasted in that small amount of oil. So I'll keep on stirring it round and round and round in that oil with a wooden spoon until I start smelling the toasty smell. Now, this is a little bit more difficult to explain, but bear with me. You know the smell of popcorn. 
when you first smell popcorn popping. It has a wonderful toasty smell. Well, if you smell the wild rice before you toast it, and then you smell it while it's toasting, all of a sudden you'll start smelling that kind of toasty, popcorny smell coming from it. As soon as you smell that, turn it off. You don't want to over-toast it. Next thing you add is water. The water should be hot. I bring water to a boil. I always use pure water. I have a filter, and I use the water from my filter. And what I'll do is I'll pour boiling water over the rice until it reaches two inches above the level of the rice. Now I say this because I don't know how many people you're making stuff in for. So this way you can make as much wild rice as you want, always knowing that you need to bring the water up to two inches above the level of the rice. The only other thing I add is I add a small amount of soy sauce. For me, soy sauce and wild rice go together like soy sauce and wild rice. Uh, the soy sauce I use is called namashoyu, and that's a raw soy. It's, it's a wheat-free soy, and it's the most delicious to me. So I add a small amount of that. How much is a small amount? I only want the water to gain a very light brown color from the amount that I add to it. Okay, so I bring that to a boil. I put the lid on, and I turn it way down, the same way as I would do when I was cooking rice. And I allow that to cook. Now, this is going to take a lot longer to cook than if you were cooking rice. So I would say take a look at it after an hour and see how much water is left. There could be quite a bit. If that's the situation, then put the lid back on again and keep on doing it. I would say maybe another 10-15 minutes. Check it again. There's another way to make wild rice. And I've never tried it myself, but I'm sure it would work. Which is to cook it almost as you're cooking pasta. And cook it in a large amount of water. The reason why I don't do it this way is because I don't want any of that flavor to go away. I don't want to waste anything. So if you did it that way and then strained out the wild rice when it was finished, you'd be losing all that wonderful flavor in the water. I don't want to do that. Please try it my way. See what you think. While the rice is cooking, you're going to be building the base for the stuffing. Now, I've actually done something ahead of time. What I've done ahead of time is I've made my croutons because really my stuffing is made of wild rice, and croutons mixed with a vegetable base. The way that I make my croutons is I start collecting bread weeks before. What we usually use for sandwich bread in the family is we use bread alone bread from the green market at Union Square. And we either buy the sour rye bread or we buy the whole wheat bread. What I'll do is I'll save the ends of this bread. I'll save maybe the last five or six slices. And I'll buy a new bread to use for sandwiches, and I'll store those away in the refrigerator. When it's time to make croutons, what I'll do is I'll cut the crusts off the bread, and I'll cut the rest of the bread into squares. And I like the squares a little big, because it's going to cook for a while, and I don't want it to disappear. So when I say big, 
I mean maybe the size of a large thumbnail. That would be good. And what I do is I lay these out on a baking sheet and I spray them with olive oil. Now, olive oil spray, there's an incredible organic olive oil spray that's made by Spectrum. And I love using it for this because it gives a very light but even coat over those bread cubes. And that's what I'll do. I'll spray them with the olive oil spray. I'll give them a sprinkle, a light sprinkling of herbamore sea salt, and I'll put them in the oven at about 300 degrees. I'll let them dry out. I don't want them to get brown. I just want them to get dry. So keep your eye on them, and don't let them really start toasting up and browning. You just want them to get really dry and a little bit golden. Once that happens, take them out, let them cool, bag them up. And then when you're ready to make that part of your stuff in, they'll be ready for you. Okay, now we build the base for the stuffing. The base for the stuffing is one of my most fun things every Thanksgiving because I get a chance to build things from the bottom up as far as all the herbs and the spices are concerned to make it smell and taste exactly the way I like it. The way I sort of remember smelling it when I was a kid. But also everybody starts flying into the kitchen to see where that smell is coming from, just like I did when I was a child. And so it's the kind of smell that makes you yearn for the meal to be ready. And I love doing that. What I start with is I start with lots of celery that I cut up fine. And I'll usually get a bag of the organic celery that they have at the market. And I'll use the equivalent of, uh, I would say, two-thirds of it. Maybe sometimes a little bit more. But I'll reserve a bunch of the stalks of celery on the side as what I call a palate cleanser. Now, I think it's important for anybody that's cooking a large meal to have a palate cleanser. And by saying this, what I mean is something that they can eat that's just a very light morsel that will clear their palate for tasting. Because especially with Thanksgiving, you don't want to taste things with a predominant taste still in your mouth from the last thing you tasted. You want to cleanse your palate in between so that you have a fresh mouth for each taste. And so I keep these celery stalks on the side, and I'll take a crunch on one, and then I'll taste something, and I'll see what I need to do to make it taste the way I want it. And then if I'm tasting something else, I'll take a crunch on another stalk of celery, and I'll do the same thing. I think it's wise. Otherwise, it becomes a little confusing to the chef, especially when you're cooking so many dishes like on Thanksgiving, because it's so much fun to cook. So I build it starting with chopped up celery, and then I'm going to give you a little tip that I only just first used myself in a couple of dishes, and I've decided that it's the way I'm going to go with onions from now on. I used to saute onions for everything I used onions for. I was sort of taught that. That's the way my father used to cook, and that's the way a lot of recipes are written. And then all of a sudden, last week, once, last week, I was building a spaghetti sauce, which you know about from a previous podcast, and I decided, you know what, 
I'm not going to saute the onions. I'm going to cut them up small, and I'm just going to add them. And I did that. And I loved the way they tasted. And I decided, wait a second, maybe I will do this for many different recipes and see how I feel about it. And that's what I started to do. I started using unsauteed onions in things. And between you and me, that's what I'm going to do for the stuff in this year. Now, if anybody notices it and says, hmm, you did something different. What'd you do with the onions? If they like it, I'm going to tell them. If they miss the sauteed onions, I'm going to tell them that too. It's always good to divulge. You teach when you divulge. So I'm going to add the onions to the celery once the celery has already sauteed, but I'm not going to saute them. I'm going to start adding all of my herbs immediately. My herbs are powdered sage. Now I find that for stuffing, powdered sage is perfect. Thyme, but dried thyme. Ginger powder. Bell's powdered seasoning, which I mentioned before. Celery seed, because what I found is if you use celery in a dish and you use celery seed, it accentuates the beautiful levels of flavor that you can get from celery. So you get the flavor of the the sweet, light celery as a vegetable, but then you also get a deeper celery flavor from a small amount of celery seed. And when I say a small amount, just a sprinkling, that's all. And then I add rosemary from my garden, which I cut up very fine. And sage from my garden, which I cut up very fine. Okay, so I will do that. I will mix that all together. And then I will add no chicken broth to that. And a small amount of soy sauce. And I will let that cook down. I will check it once all the broth has been cooked out and it gets dry and I'll check it for seasonings and then I'll do it again. I'll cover it with no chicken broth. I'll cook it down. Then I'll do it a third time. I'll cover it with no chicken broth and I'll cook it down. By the time it's cooked down three times, it has this wonderful richness to it. In the same way that I I, uh, talked to you before about getting that richness for your gravy, this is a way to get the richness in your stuffing. So once that's done three times of cooking down, I'll taste it. And then the next thing I'll do, I'll decide if anything needs to be heightened as far as any of the flavors of any of the herbs. And if everything's good the way it is, I will add the croutons to it. Now, the croutons are going to be absorbing a lot of fluid from that mixture of herbs and vegetables. And so we want to keep things wet. What we'll do is we'll check that right before we actually bake the stuffing. So don't worry about that now. Next thing is, if your wild rice is finished, what you want to do is you want to make sure that all of that water that it was cooked with has been cooked into the rice. If it hasn't, and the rice is tender, you want to strain out that water, but keep it, because you may want to use it as part of the water that seasons the stuffing. 
strain out the wild rice, and add that to the stuffing mixture. So now you've built three things together. You've built the vegetables and herbs, you've built the wild rice, and you've built the croutons all together. And you transfer this into a large Le Creuset pot. I have every size, I think. And I'll use this in a large Le Creuset pot that I have lightly oiled to make sure that nothing sticks to the sides. And taste again. Taste and make sure everything tastes the way you want it. Do you want to add some herbamore? Do you want to add any of the other herbs again? My favorite thing to add right at the end before I put it in the oven is I add a small amount of toasted sesame oil. The reason why I do that is I think toasted sesame oil and wild rice have an affinity for each other. So I will taste that and see after I've added the toasted sesame oil if there's anything else left. And if not, I will add a small amount more broth or a small amount of the cooking liquid that the wild rice has cooked in, if there's any left. And I'll put a lid on and I'll put that in the oven. That will go into the oven at 375 for about 25 minutes. Now, it will continue to smell better and better and better and better the whole time it's in the oven. Caution yourself not to lift the lid because you want to keep it moist. But after 25 minutes, take it out, smell it, taste a little bit, see if it's the way you want it. If it is, just put it off to the back of the stove where it can rest and the flavors can accumulate. Next thing you want to do is you want to roast some vegetables. I love roasted vegetables because you don't only eat them on Thanksgiving, you can make them into things from that day forward with whatever leftovers you have left. I make uh, roasted vegetable soup. I make stews based in the roasted vegetables. They're amazing to me. They don't last that long because I use them up pretty quick. But here's what constitutes roasted vegetables for me, at least for this Thanksgiving. What I'll use is I'll use big fat carrots cut up into chunks, sweet potatoes and emo potatoes. And usually what I'll do is I'll actually peel the sweet potatoes and the emo potatoes. And the reason for this is with any leftovers, it makes it so much easier for them to be used in other dishes if they don't have the peels on them. That's just me. If you decide that you want the peels, please. Use them with the peels. I'll use a buttercup squash that I will cut into serving-sized pieces. And by serving-sized, I mean about the same size as the carrots and the sweet and the emo potatoes. I'll use onions. And I'll use rosemary and thyme. Now, the way I put this together is this way. I will put the carrots and the squash in. I will put the sweet potatoes and the emo potatoes in. I will put the onions in in big chunks. And by big chunks, I mean maybe one onion gets cut into six pieces. Big chunks. And then what I'll do is as I'm putting them into the pan, which again is another huge Le Creuset pot, I will hide 
bits of whole stalks of rosemary and whole stalks of thyme in between them. And once I've layered everything in, I add a combination of a small amount of no chicken broth, a drizzle of olive oil, and some soy sauce. I mix this all up in a little cup, and I pour it over it, and I stir this all around so that everything is covered. I'll put the lid on, and I'll bake that at 400 degrees. And this can bake for a while, but it only smells better and better as it bakes. You're going to love the smell of this stuff. It's incredible. So now, the kitchen is filled with several smells. It's filled with the smell of the wild rice having cooked. It's filled with the smell of the stuffing cooking. It's filled with the smell of the roast vegetables that they start to roast. It's magnificent. It's enough to get everybody excited about the meal. And here's me, the cook, orchestrating the whole thing. One of the things about cooking that I find the most interesting is to have everything ready at the end at the same time. Sometimes with Thanksgiving, you get a break on this. And you get a chance to do things in advance, but you also get a chance to do things that improve after they're out of the oven just by sitting. And I find that that's true about the wild rice stuffing. And I find that that's true about the roasted vegetables. They need to come out of the oven. They need to sit for a while. Now, with the wild rice stuffing, you may decide that you want to put it back in the oven for a few minutes with no lid on, just to crisp up the top. If you decide to do that, that's great. Please do it. If you want a crispier stuffing, that's the way to do it. But don't get it crispy in advance the first time it's baked. Let it bake the first time. Keep the lid on. Let it sit out of the oven. And then decide if you want to crisp it up by putting it back in without the lid. It makes it so that the interior stays moist, but the top gets nice and crispy and tasty. So there's going to be another Thanksgiving podcast. And the next Thanksgiving podcast is going to be about tofu turkey which is the way that I make tofu into a a turkey for my family. It's going to be fun. You're going to like it. And we'll talk more about Thanksgiving and traditions and things that will make you happy. So for now, bye-bye.